for all you American listeners, I hope you had a wonderful 4th of July. For all our foreign listeners out there, we celebrate our National Independence Day every year on the 4th of July by wasting our hard-earned dollars on cheap explosives and making lots and lots of noise. I was actually surprised that this year wasn't as bad as I remember it being previously. It might be just my area of Southern California, but even out here, it felt like the last few years, people have been less rowdy than I remember it being. Now, don't get me wrong, people are still setting off fireworks into the twilight even a week later, but there have been years where the 4th of July must have been like a month-long celebration. Now, I've been itching to get back into producing music, as I've been a hiatus for quite some time now. And as I'm coming back, I'm finding that it's gotten a lot harder to get back into it. I'm battling my own mental games, and I've let so many other things in life tread on my passions that I've all but forgotten what it's like to enjoy the act of making music. So today's episode is inspired by me, because I need my own kick in the pants. (laughs) Whether you're struggling to reach that next level, or just want to find your edge and push the envelope further. Today's episode may have that nugget of wisdom that you need to hear. Stay tuned and we'll cover 30 self-improvement tips for modern producers. Welcome to the Modern Producer Secrets Podcast, the first music industry podcast for creatives who want to reach beyond the side hustle, where we show you how to apply the principles of business, mindset, and personal development to create real sustainable success from the inside out. Hey, let's get this party started. But I just want to point out before we do, this is an advice buffet episode. Not everything may resonate with you, which is fine. But no matter how many things that you feel might apply, try to just pick one thing and really focus on incorporating it into your life. Believe me, it's very easy to want to do all the things at once and just YOLO it. (laughs) But that's honestly never effective. So I guess this is tip zero. Let's dive in. Tip number one, study the great ones. I think we can all agree that there was a single artist or album or song that we can all cite as the one that ignited our drive to want to make music. Study the great ones can actually be divided into two camps. When most people say study the great ones, they're usually referring to the musicality or the music form itself. What made that hit song so timeless? Study its arrangement and composition and find why it resonates so well across cultural boundaries and generational boundaries. I think it's also okay to have your own personal list of great ones. After all, it was listening to music that inspired us to get more involved, so our tastes are informed by the ones that we are most inspired by. Develop your own unique sense of taste. If you want to keep your brand relevant, it will behoove you to continue finding new inspirations but also pay attention to what the world is saying is in. There's a reason that this new thing is popping off, so take the time to dissect what the new greats are doing and stay ahead of the curve, not behind it. Number two, set deadlines and stick to them. Deadlines are an important dimension of building self-competence. Now, what I mean by that is when you honor your commitments, you build up self-respect. And basically, What I'm trying to get at here is when you set deadlines for yourself, the more often that you actually hit the mark, you start to build that track record within yourself that you will hit the mark. You miss less. And this goes back all the way back to past episodes on mindset. But for the most part, when you set deadlines and you stick to them, it makes it a lot easier to build the track record as well 
that the world can use to gauge reliability. Basically, this means it makes you more reliable. And if you can convey that to your clients, your customers, whoever, whether it's your audience, your fan base, whoever it is, when you set deadlines for yourself in anything you do, you build the habit of hitting the mark. You build the habit of not missing, which is a big key here. Number three, be organized, but don't limit yourself. This is the age-old debate of, should I do this or that? What's the best insert X here? Everyone's looking for that magic bullet answer that they think will solve their problems. The truth is, I see so many producers plateau when they've reached a certain level of experience. This happens in any genre, any subsector of the industry. They either have no systems or processes and treat every song or project like a blank slate and go through the same cycles of frustration and headache and anger as they stumble their way through the project, constantly having to backtrack or iterate ideas endlessly. Or they get super good at one thing, and then they systematize and build out a template for every little thing to the point where they pigeonhole themselves into this one tiny subgenre of dubstep that only your cousin from Chicago seems to like or even understand. <laughs> a system is a collection of organized things, such as processes, while a process is a series of events that produce a specific result. A word you might relate to more would be a routine. A system can be a group of routines in a set order. The problem that we as producers tend to face is that as we grow our skill sets, we tend to solve problems so that we don't have to think about that challenging aspect as much, if at all. And when we solve those creative problems, we start building ourselves into this box without even realizing it. And then we get frustrated when our results start feeling stale. Mick Gordon's lesson that he shared at GDC after creating his masterpiece score from Doom 2016 was change the process, change the outcome. Now, Doom fans, they're not like Disney fans. If Doom fans don't like what you've done, they'll burn your house down. So let's say we take a brief like this, right? And we hand it to a piano player. Now this piano player is gonna channel in the demons and they're gonna channel in the hell and they're gonna channel in the Mars. But what you're gonna end up with is a solo piano piece. It's inspired by the brief, sure, but it's not an, a, an execution of the brief. Now say you gave the same brief to a dubstep producer. This dubstep producer is going to take all those awesome demon growling basses. They're going to take some awesome bell samples to get the hell thing in there. And they're going to mix in some brass samples to get in the Mars thing, right? But what you're going to end up with is a dubstep track. It's inspired by the brief, sure. It's got synths in there. But it's not an execution of the brief. Now, same again if you handed that exact same brief to a composer. And that composer's instant reaction is to open up their Cubase template that they've worked with for the last 10 projects. And they're going to use all their demon contact patches. And they're going to use all their hell contact patches. And they're going to use all of their Mars contact patches. You're going to, get up with the, you're going to end up with the same piece of music that that person has written for the last 10 projects. It's inspired by the brief, sure. But it's not an execution of the brief. Now, why have these three failed? The reason that they're failing in this example 
is that they're going through the exact same process that they've always done every single time. And you cannot expect to end up with a different, a different outcome without changing the process. Change the process, change the outcome. To follow on the heels of Mick Gordon, change the process, change the outcome. He had to do a lot of experimentation to develop a sound that was novel for the client. And when you sit down in your creative environment, are you constantly putting pressure on yourself to deliver a certain outcome? Or are you allowing yourself to enjoy the experimentation and the act of creation? When Ted Joya came up in my previous episode, he mentioned that there were only three professions in the world where people get paid to play. An athlete plays a sport, an actor plays a role, and a musician plays an instrument. I've also taken on the mantra that creativity is intelligence at play. And for us to truly experience creativity, we need to allow ourselves to fully embrace the playground analogy and remove any mental or emotional attachments to work or an outcome. So, when we're talking about throwing away expectations, Mick was spot on. Now, this is obviously a lot easier said than done. We're very fearful of changing the process. If you're anything like me, you suffer terribly from the fear of rejection. It's that fear of rejection that disables us from changing our process. Why? Because that's asking you to take everything you know and put it aside. Come up with a new process in the hopes that you're going to reach something better. Now, as humans, we don't want to do that. If something has worked a certain way before, we want to repeat that process to end up with what we perceive is going to be the same result. If it's gotten us a success in the, in the past, we expect it's going to get us a success in the future. But in the ever-changing perpetual world that we live in, that's simply not the case. Now, obviously, at the end of the day, if we're talking about building a business out of creativity, it is going to involve some level of processes and systems. You need to be able to repeat the process, right? So that's the conundrum we're at in this business of creativity. How do you marry the two where you're open to not pigeonholing yourself in, right? That's what it comes back to being organized, but not limiting yourself. So these two kind of go hand in hand. Number five is make time to create, prioritize. Now, this is pretty self-explanatory, but if it's not important enough to you, you'll put it off, right? If that's you, don't let distractions hold you back. Let's face it, we're inundated right now with all sorts of things vying for our attention. And it's super easy to just say, hey, my brain needs a break. And I just go to binge watching YouTube on the couch or whatever, but that's passive. If you realize how precious your time really is, you'll put what's important to you first. And it's a habit that you have to build. It's not something you just snap your fingers and boom, you're done. So maybe just stop for a second and audit how much time you spend doing various little things throughout the day that you can probably cut back on to make the time to create. Where can you just spare five minutes extra a day? Say, hey, if I just did things a little bit differently throughout my daily routine, whether it's folding the laundry once a week rather than every other day, if it depends on how many loads you got, but I don't know, figure out in your life what's specific to you. And you have to really 
pay attention to it, right? I'm totally with a couple other podcasts that I've been listening to over the years that the FitFo mentality, figure it the fuck out. <laughs> Number six, you don't need expensive gear. U2's Joshua Tree was recorded with an SM58 handheld for vocals, as well as the vocals for Rage Against the Machine's Battle for Los Angeles. Those are just two examples of timeless albums that sold millions that were recorded with some of the simplest, most affordable gear. Yet, I can't tell you how many times I've run into producers, and even myself recently, where I promised that I was going to be starting the Neologic Studios YouTube channel, but I have yet to do it because of this whole thing, like, I need to change my camera out. All I've got is a webcam, and I can't get anything done until I get that. Is that you? Are you waiting to buy the gear that you lust over rather than just getting started with what you have? That's where I'm at, and I need to fix it for myself. So I know some of you out there are probably experiencing exactly the same thing. But the truth is, you don't need expensive gear to get started. Stop letting that be an excuse to hold you back from doing what you're committing to do. It's like saying, I'm going to go practice yoga, but I don't have yoga attire. Is that really why you're not going? No, we're just telling ourselves that. Which actually leads me into number seven, meditate to clear your mind. Anyone has ever practiced meditation, you sit still and you focus on one thing. When they say clear your mind, that's not true. You don't clear your mind. That's impossible. But you do focus on one thing. It could be your breath. It could be your mantra. It could be a, a dot on the wall. It could be a sound. It doesn't matter. The point is you focus on one thing. And when you get distracted or you have another thought, like, ooh, did I leave the oven on? What you do is you label that a thought and you push it out of your mind and you say, I'll deal with that later. And you go back to focusing on the one thing. And there are tremendous benefits to the self of being present and calm and clear-headed by practicing meditation. But that is not the sole purpose of meditation, just so you can be present. In fact, I believe that you are not present until someone else says you are, right? So the reason you practice meditation is so that when you're sitting with a friend and they're telling you about their good day or their bad day, you are focused on one thing and one thing only, what they're telling you, as opposed to waiting for your turn to speak. And you may have thoughts and you say, that's a thought, I'm gonna label that and deal with that later. And you remain so focused and there's a bang in the background, but your eyes don't leave your friend because you're so present. At the end of the conversation, they will say to you, thank you for listening. They will say, thank you for being present. They'll say, thank you, I feel heard. Congratulations, you were present. Congratulations, all that meditation was worth it now. The practice of meditation, though it has benefits to yourself, the reason to practice meditation is as a service to others. You know, I've got to hand it to Simon Sinek. He's got a point. And when it comes to doing music production as a service, meaning that you have clients, you're not just doing this for yourself, you're doing this as a service to others. It does involve being present, as he says it. And when you're trying to clear out the clutter of the mind, another way to think of meditation is pruning or weeding, right? We have all these thoughts. A lot of them are junk. You'd be surprised just how much of our thoughts each day are patternistic. They repeat themselves every day. It's almost 95, 90 to 95% of our thoughts every day are the exact same that we've had the day before. So what meditation allows us to do is to go into that garden of the mind and just prune, 
weed, trim, keep it clutter-free. What happens when all of those thoughts run rampant and we just keep latching on and we follow that thought onto a tangent and now we're off somewhere else? You know, somebody might have a medical term for this. I think it's ADHD. <laughs> See what I did there? Let's come back to the second. Let's come back to the present moment and just calm ourselves, focus. It's okay to let those thoughts flow. The brain's not going to just stop thinking. There's going to be thoughts in the background. It's the background noise. Just like the background microwave radiation of the cosmic universe, there is background noise everywhere. But the more we quiet ourselves down to listen and be more in the moment, to start to pick up on things. And I've run into so many producers where they've got this body of experience with them and it feels heavy. They're, they're not enjoying the process the same way that they used to because their mind's just cluttered. And I bet you if they meditated as a regular practice, maybe even just once a week, just start small. Don't, it doesn't have to be a daily thing. Oh my God, I have to do 30 minutes, an hour every day. No. Start small, five minutes. You know, there's apps for this. There's the Calm app. There's the Headspace app. You know, just pick one of those. They're free to start with. You can set yourself very small windows down to a minute. If a minute is all it takes to start getting benefits, just start there. Start small. Number eight, step out of your comfort zone. Growth only happens when you're reaching your breaking point. We as creatives love to stay in our little bubble of comfort, right? When we figure out this process and that process works for us, like we get the success, we get that, that emotional high, like, oh, that, that got the feels, like the way that that song just bumps and jives vibes, whether it's for yourself or the client. And that you see that emotion, the impact that it has with others. You want to try to replicate that every single time, right? You just want to find the process. I just want to do the same thing over and over again, no matter what song I'm writing. Well, are you writing the same song? <laughs> and that's the problem that he brought up when, when he was describing how to change the process, change the outcome. He was describing exactly what's happening to all the producers out there that are pigeonholed into the same methods of working. They're in that comfort zone where they think, I just do this same template. I do this because I've streamlined my thing. I've perfected it and it's got this perfect system. Yeah, but you're producing the same thing. You need to get out of your comfort zone. Growth only happens when you're reaching your breaking point. And you can't get to the breaking point until you've passed that zone that feels comfortable. I was very excited to meet the Doom team. Ben picked me up from the hotel in Dallas and drove me all the way down to the Yid offices. The whole way he played this most incredible electronic music. It was great. It was all this weird sort of crazy like experimental stuff. There's no beat, there's no time signature, there's no nothing. It's just random sort of weirdness. But he listens to this stuff every morning to inspire him. When I entered the office, I met Chad Mossolder. Chad was just finishing up the masters on his latest experimental electronic music album, this one here. Richard Devine did a remix on it. It's really, really fantastic stuff. I was then introduced to Chris Height, the audio director. Now, Chris's room I couldn't even get into because it was full of synthesizers. There were synths everywhere. There was boxes of sounds everywhere. I couldn't move. Straight away after meeting Chris, I was told that there was a very, 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 very important audio-centric meeting. So we all rushed into a room. You see, Affect's twin had just dropped a couple of new tracks and we all had to have a listen. <laughs> it was clear that these guys lived creativity 
and they breathed creativity. In fact, every Wednesday evening after work, they had this fantastic concept called Weird Wednesday, where they'd all get into a studio together and just geek out for a while on any new plugins or any new pieces of equipment that they got, and they just jam. Now, they're not jam in the conventional sense. There's not a tempo. There's not a key signature that they're set into. They're not playing licks or anything. Chad over there on the far right is running his guitar through his laptop, and he's playing with all sorts of bejewel modules, making all sorts of cool sounds. Ben in the middle there at the background, he had a Eurorack system, and he was making all sorts of awesome, incredible sounds with these make noise modules that he just picked up. That's Chris there on the left, and he had his uh, Ableton Live setup, and he was making all sorts of you know, uh, processing and sound design based on what the other two guys were doing. I had my little laptop set down up at the front here. And the guys would record this, and they'd just jam away, making all sorts of weird random sounds for two hours, and they'd record it for archival reasons. But that wasn't really the purpose. The purpose here was to break away from any creative inhibitions. It was to break away from anything that was stopping them from getting to their creativity. What they were doing was creating an environment where each of them felt comfortable in failure. Just like at the gym, when I keep referring to exercise and physical fitness, we have to break down the muscle. When we go to actually exercise our body, we're used to a certain amount of reps. Some of the things that we're doing at the gym probably feel easy at first. It's not until you get to that new set of reps or a heavier weight, right? We try to change the process. It's not until we get beyond what we've already done that we start to feel the results. And it's not right away. You'll actually find that your body is like, oh yeah, I can kind of do that for another rep or two. And then it hits you. Then you start feeling the pain. Now it feels uncomfortable. If you're making time to regularly experiment, this synergizes really closely with throwing away the expectations, right? In order to develop a new sound, style, or method, or process, it's going to sound shitty at first. Allow yourself the time to develop and practice in this new area before making judgments or even perhaps taking outside criticism. I guarantee you there's a lot of projects on producers' hard drives right now that will never see the light of day. However, if you want to play the game, then you have to be willing to put in the work. If you're going to level up your craft and find new boundaries and new horizons for where you take your producer skills, it's going to take feeling uncomfortable and sucking at new things until you get good at it. So just as Mick Gordon said, you have to create a safe space where you can experiment and be comfortable in failure. Number nine, accept positive and negative feedback. Now, hopefully this sounds pretty self-explanatory, but a lot of you might actually miss some of the finer points here. When I say accepting positive and negative feedback, Obviously, at the end of the day, we're talking about constructing music. This is very personal. Just keep in mind that feedback is feedback. You have the option of taking what people say and choosing what to do with that. It's your choice. But understand that when people are giving you feedback, consider the source. Consider the tone. Consider what they're giving you. It's a gift. And the people that are giving you feedback, whether it's positive or negative, you should really listen to it. Understand where they're coming from. Try to empathize with their position because chances are, whether it's positive or negative, the feedback that they're giving you is going to leave you clues as to what you're doing well and what you could be doing better. It's also giving you clues as to how to connect your sense of taste to the rest of the world's sense of taste. 
And when you make that connection, that's where you can start to see actual movement. When you go to sell your beats as a producer or sell your services to the rest of the market, the community that's out there that you're trying to serve. You know, I'll equate it to my day job. Again, I've mentioned in the past that I work for a small ISP. And when I say small, we're literally less than like 20 people. It's crazy. (laughs) But, you know, I see this every day in the workplace. I deal with customer service. I deal with internal teams. So when I'm looking at the kinds of support that we get, we actually get a lot of positive feedback. Our customers love supporting a small business. They love that they actually feel like they can get a hold of somebody that's local and can respond to issues very quickly when they do have a problem. We do take pride in our work, but at the same time, I do know that we need to stay humble. Don't let all of the positive things about it, what we do or who we are, the positive feedback, bloat our self-image. So when we have customers that actually do submit problems, I try to keep that in mind. I'm never going to be so big that I'm ignoring these customers just because they only pay a certain amount for their service. Numero 10, perfect is the enemy of done. Let's face it. I know a lot of you out there are probably like me. You're perfectionists. We're constantly seeking ways to perfect our craft. And in the very moment that we're working or toiling away on sound design for a project or just trying to tweak the composition, tweak the mix, tweak the element, no matter what stage of production you're in, how many of you endlessly tweaked and toiled away to the point where you enter revision hell? I know I've been there for a few tracks and obviously for reasons I don't have to get into, those tracks I've never released. (laughs) How many tracks are you guys sitting on that you've put tons of hours into that you ended up completely disgusted by. You don't want anything to do with it. You're not going to touch it. Time to move on, right? There's a way out where you're not doing this to yourself. Even if you're only doing this to every other project or every few projects, if this is a habit or if it's a pattern that you're noticing within yourself, then it's something to do with your state of mind. You need to give yourself some concrete deadlines. This is the way that I find that will best combat what you're doing to yourself. The self-sabotage is what I like to refer to it as. Chasing perfection? Well, perfection doesn't exist. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Now, when I say giving yourself deadlines, what I'm really referring to is building yourself out a process. Separate the process of production. You can call this a system if you want. I'm going to work on arrangement, composition, sound design, Maybe you'll, you'll separate it out even further. Maybe you'll have just a time set aside for top line or time set aside for drum production. But if you can become systematic about segmenting these things out so that you're not constantly going back and undoing work that you've already done or working yourself further and further into a hole that you then have to dig yourself out of, because this is what I find often is a lot of producers will tweak the production when they're already in the mixing phase, already in the mastering phase, and they're going all the way back to sound design and changing an entire element. Why are you doing that when you're already in the mastering phase? You're changing so many things downstream because of one little minor tweak that said, you know what? I didn't like, I didn't quite like the way this sounded in the master. Instead, embrace the imperfections of what you did 
and have the master find a way to make it work. I'd rather have a song that's 90% there in terms of sound quality, as long as it resonates with an audience. I think that's the bigger key here. There are ways you can accelerate that feedback cycle, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Number 11, over a third of the way there, buddies. All right. Collaborate. Collaborating is what I like to consider the holy grail of music. Music is art and art as a form of communication. So collaboration is like having a partner on your side helping to communicate with your audience. Imagine you're a public speaker and you have a speech coach. There are professionals out there that are dedicated to helping train public speakers to deliver the best presentation possible. Or if you prefer, it's like having a podcast (laughs) co-host. Collaboration introduces a whole new dynamic to the act of creation, that it has many benefits for your individual growth. Now, notably, as I mentioned in the previous one, it actually can accelerate the feedback cycle because now you have an external trusted source involved in the act of creation with you. Their input alone can often change the way you think about approaching something. It shortens the time it takes to receive the feedback and then iterate from it. Think of when digital photography became a thing. It's like the early to mid 2000s. See, Before then, all you old folks out there like me who actually shot on film for a while, well, film was a process. You didn't get to see the result. You can look through the viewfinder, sure, but I didn't tell you how it would look coming through the lens of the camera. I didn't tell you how it would look after it was properly exposed and applied all the chemical bath and then enlarged and then had a print done, right? There's all these processes. Well, that feedback cycle was extremely long. In some cases, People could spend weeks doing all sorts of tweaks and enhancements in the darkroom to try to get the final result, like burn-ins or dodging and burning in the enlargement process. That was the analog equivalent of Photoshop, by the way. When the first digital cameras hit the market, you would snap and boom, the picture showed up on the screen instantly. Now photographers could get instant feedback on Framing, composition, like what they were pointing at, how is it exposed? Oh, maybe I need to change my aperture size, anything like that, right? But that feedback cycle, going from, I have to take the picture, get it developed, get the enlargement made, and now I can see it. (laughs) To just snap and boom, you see the result. Do you see what that does, that feedback cycle, why that's so important? When you're producing in solo, you're working in a vacuum. And I know there's got to be a safe space for failure. I know there's got to be things that we've already talked about where maybe it's not the right time to share. Maybe it's not the right time to get or ask for feedback because this is experimental. Keep that for yourself. But when you know there's something that you believe has the chance to make it in the marketplace, or you stand confident, you know that you've repeated this process. I feel like I've got this style, this genre down to a science that I can repeat and know that I have enough freedom and latitude to be able to play around with ideas within this framework. And now you go and collaborate. Guess how much faster you're going to learn and grow and accelerate when you start collaborating with other artists. Guess how quickly you can pick up other genres and not pigeonhole yourself into a specific genre or just, you know, a a one trick pony. If you can start collaborating 
in other genres or other laterals or other verticals, there's a ton of ways that you can collaborate, right? That accelerates your growth. That's a life hack. When I was in college, number 12, study other forms of art. Now, this is another life hack. So if you guys really want to dive deep, check this out. When I was in college, I was into a ton of different mediums. Now, when I say mediums, I was learning all sorts of new skills. I went from drawing and painting to sculpting and 3D design. I, I played with everything, all these visual things. And then I got into video production a little bit too. Now, web design and imaging, like Photoshop, graphics. Like I, I played with so many different mediums. I even got into web design in terms of like HTML coding, CSS. As I challenged myself to learn new skills in similar areas like painting, my drawing techniques improved. When I took up sculpting, it paved the way for my brain being able to comprehend 3D graphics and animation. If we return to the gym analogy, practicing yoga actually improved my strength training and my bodybuilding a ton and vice versa. So what's happening here? Well, if we take the yoga as an example. Yoga is the practice of holding poses that force your body to maintain a posture and force your muscles to flex and you have to hold that position. So it's using isometrics, or I believe I have the term right, but basically it's you're using the, the force of the muscle against itself. You're contracting for the sake of contracting, but you're also holding a pose and stretching. It's the synergistic movement of the body. That moment, that movement, that pose, those things actually allow my body to improve my range of motion, my flexibility. And I found that literally within the first week of doing Bikram yoga, which is the hot yoga, my strength training went up like crazy. I went every morning, first thing in the morning to do hot room yoga. I didn't eat. I just drank a ton of water and I was drenched, but I'd still hit the gym for strength training and bodybuilding in the afternoon. Within that first week alone, my weights went up on average 10 to 15 pounds each dumbbell. <laughs> That's insane. In the first week alone, I was feeling less joint fatigue. Usually I was having joint pains because I was just plateauing really hard and just trying to force myself to get to the next level, whether it was heavier weights or more reps, but I wasn't really getting anywhere. I was plateauing hard because at some point I had reached the limit of what I could do with my form and the function, but it takes doing things in other areas to improve it which meant I needed to improve my flexibility, my range of motion. And yoga helped do that. So that unlocked the potential to reach a new ceiling with my strength training. There's that synergy there. They're completely unrelated things, but they still overlap. So when you come back to producing techniques, if you're learning and studying other forms of art, it informs your brain to think creatively outside of the box that you were previously in. Because guess what? There's always a box, right? When they say think outside the box, really you're doing is just expanding the box you're in just a little bit. And now you're outside of the previous box you were in. Number 13, learn another instrument. Now, obviously these seem to overlap, right? Study other forms of art. Okay, we well, can study other forms, but when you actually learn another instrument, we're talking about building a different skill set. We're talking about building that mind-body connection to playing and experiencing music 
and how you perform it. Christian Henson, I will refrain from speaking his name any further. I know there's been a recent upset with, I guess, some tweet that he posted earlier, but way long ago, I want to say this is like at least a year or two, he pointed out how he was getting away from the DAWs, the center of his universe, the keyboard is the center of his universe, and experimenting with synthesizers and getting into generative music. For him, it felt very foreign and very new. And what it did was it changed the way that he produced, it changed the way that he composed. We'll go all the way back to Mick Gordon at the beginning of this, right? He handed the same brief to a piano player, to a dubstep artist, and to a DJ. Well, you're going to get something that sounds akin to that style of music that is informed by the medium in which they create it. If a piano player tries to channel the demons of hell and channel the red planet of Mars and channel the crazy forward-moving action of gunplay, well, you're going to get their rendition as a piano player. If you hand that same thing to a DJ, well, they're going to do all of their things of chopping samples and using turntables or whatever is access to it. Maybe it's Ableton Push. And the techniques that they use, they're going to apply their rendition of that brief. And if you hand that to a media composer and they open up their DAW template that's just got this huge patch of contact libraries, well, guess what? If you're not changing the process, then how are you ever going to change the outcome? So by improving your skill set diversity to learn a new instrument, this is where you can start to tap into approaching things from different ways. Maybe you want to spice it up as an EDM producer by learning how to play guitar. I can think of several artists right now that are really killing it in the electronic dance music genres that they're in by introducing guitar in really clever and fun ways. Or maybe it's the opposite. You're into classical music, but you want to learn some more poppy production elements and maybe learning how to play bass might be a, an excellent complement to playing piano classically or playing a classical instrument. We can go on and on about all the different ways that learning a new instrument can benefit yourself, but let's face it, it can also benefit your collaboration process. You bring more value to the table when you collaborate with others if you can also start to speak in other idioms or other formats or medias. But you get the idea. Number 15, embrace weird and different. Now, obviously, embracing weird and different sounds different than what you were probably anticipating, right? Well, how do I build what's cool? This is the problem I see on Facebook all the time from producers that are trying to learn how to be the best at this. How do I produce like the top EDM producer? Whatever. You're trying to chase what's after is cool, but it's already cool right now. Instead of finding your own unique voice and going after what's new, new eventually replaces what's already cool. And then the new cool becomes the cool. <laughs> this is new versus cool. That's really what it is. So embrace the weird, the different, because eventually it can actually become what is in, what becomes mainstream, or at least to the point where there's an audience that is in love with that sound. I mean, how many of you can think back to records when you were a child or maybe just a young adult compared to where you are now, and you listen to those now, and you're just like, 
I can appreciate these a lot more than I did when I was younger. And just think about that for a second. What happened? Why, why did your taste change? Maybe it evolved, but now all of a sudden, the stuff that you hated back then, you don't necessarily hate now. Why is that? Where does that mean that you fit in with the music that you're producing, the cultural zeitgeist? Are they ready for what you're producing? Are you ready to put it out? So if you can embrace the weird and different and actually introduce those fun ways of sounding new and innovative and novel without being so foreign, so off-putting that it drives people away. You know, the other way you can think of it is nothing ventured, nothing gained, or you know, no risk, no reward. You're not going to reach the level of success that you were destined for by being the best at a genre that somebody else literally paved the way in. No matter what, you're still going to be the follower, not the leader. So embrace the weird and different. Find a way that takes what's already popular and twist it just enough to make it your own. That's all it takes. All right, I know I promised 30, but you know what? I think I'm going to stop it here. I know this is an advice buffet and we're already about 40-ish minutes in. And so I just want to keep it a little bit shorter today. The other 15 are going to come after a very special guest coming up on the next episode that I think you guys and gals are going to love. It's going to be a really interesting episode, so I really hope you'll stick around for it. But in the meantime, thank you so much for sticking around to the end of this episode. I know this is an advice buffet, so obviously not everything in this episode may be applicable to your situation, but hopefully one thing did. If you have a tip that you'd like to share, I'd love to hear what's helped you grow. Simply email podcast at modernproducersecrets.com and send me your story tips or feedback so we can make this podcast the best podcast for music producers around the world. (laughs) If you're finding this podcast helpful in any way, the best way that you can help others like yourself is to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app. That social proof can make or break someone else potentially passing on a life-changing thing in their life simply because they didn't know this podcast was meant for them. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by the Music Producers Alliance the premier online professional development community that provides learning resources, networking opportunities, and business mentoring to music producers. If you want to be able to consistently attract high-quality artists who will pay premium prices for your production services, go to musicproducersalliance.com forward slash apply and book a free 30-minute strategy session to find out how we can help you elevate your brand as a music producer.